Well, good morning. Welcome to Hope City Church. Just excited we get to be together. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Hope City Church, and uh, I think a few of my favorite days of the year are the days where we dedicate children here at the church. Uh, there's four families, I think seven kids in Shepherdsville being dedicated today, and we've got families dedicating children at every service uh, here today. And I know for me, about 10 years ago when I started pastoring, uh, that was when I really legitimately finally felt like a pastor. It's like, holy smokes, we're dedicating children. And if you've been around here long at all, you know that there are kids everywhere. So uh, it's just one of our favorite things to do. You know, it, I don't ever want us to take for granted the fact that we are a part of a church that our children want to attend, uh, because that's not something that happens all the time everywhere. So just excited we get to be together today, wherever you're watching this, and, and however you're part of this service, uh, thanks for, for being a part. Today we are continuing our series called The Goat, The Goat, where we are taking 12 weeks to study the most controversial most popular, most polarizing figure in history, and that is Jesus, Jesus Christ. And we're calling the series The Goat because Jesus is the goat. Jesus is the greatest of all time. And uh, so what we're doing is we're studying the book of John. We're reading the stories and the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. And at the end of this 12 weeks, it's going to lead us right up to Easter Sunday and on that day and on that weekend, we will celebrate Jesus doing a very goat-like thing, resurrecting and, uh, and giving us a chance to have life. And so it's going to be a special day. But the reason that we are reading these teachings and miracles and stories of Jesus is so that we would believe. Everybody say believe. That's not just my words. That's John's words. The guy who wrote the book of John, he told us why he wrote it, which is a beautiful thing. We don't have to guess. It's in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John said, these are written, the stories, the teachings, the miracles, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. It's that word believe. Believe. 99 times in this 21-chapter book of John, we see the word believe because John wants you and he wants me to believe in Jesus. And he doesn't want us to just believe that Jesus historically lived. He wants us to believe that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. He's not just a man. He's not just a teacher. But that Jesus is God and that he is the answer to sin and to death and he is the only way to have life. And so John spends 21 chapters showing us how Jesus is God. And so if you've ever wondered what's God like, we can look at Jesus and we can see uh, what it is that, that he's like. And so today we are going to read a lot of John chapter 3, just a heads up. We're going to get to the most famous, popular verse in the history of the Bible today. Everybody knows this one. Uh, you, have, you, you know this one, John 3.16. We're going to get there at some point today. We're going to read a lot of, of John uh, 3. And we're actually going to see the word believe um, 10 different times just in this chapter uh, today. And so hopefully you're getting this idea. Hopefully you're getting the point that John is trying to make that the message of Jesus is not behave. The message of Jesus is believe. It's not behave. 
it is, it is believe. And so we're going to be in John chapter 2, but what I want to do, or John chapter 3, but what I want to do is I want to pick up at the very end of John chapter 2. So we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. And just the last three verses of John chapter 2, where we left off, Jesus has officially kind of come out in the public. He has turned water to wine. That was his first miracle. And he has made a whip and he's cleared the temple. Uh, people are tweeting now. People are Instagramming now. The word is getting out. His ministry is public. And so, as you might expect, when uh, somebody as awesome as Jesus begins to do awesome things, people are paying attention. And this is what it says in John chapter 2, starting at verse 23. It's on your sermon guide, by the way, if you want to. Uh, if you want to follow along with that. It says, because of the, these miraculous signs, the one we were just talking about, and some other ones that are not in here, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. Verse 24, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. Verse 25, no one needed to tell Jesus what mankind is really like. Dang. Jesus doesn't trust you. You're like, wow, that hurts my feelings. It, it may, but it's true that Jesus doesn't trust you. But don't take that personally. It's not just you. It's all of mankind. This verse is a great reminder to us that the human heart is fickle. It's fickle. If anybody ever gives you the advice to trust your heart, don't take that advice. It's terrible advice. Your heart lies to you. The human heart is fickle. People are starting to flock to Jesus because Jesus is doing some, some awesome things, right? But Jesus knows that people love to hop on the bandwagon when things are going good. So he's not letting that go to, go to his head. Think of it like this. You, you don't know how many friends you have when you win the lottery. You know how many friends you have when you need help moving, Right? Okay, so, so it's similar in this idea that just because Jesus is doing these amazing things doesn't mean that all these people who are saying they're in are, are in. And the reason that this is important is because we will always, all of us, be inclined to think that we're more spiritual than we really are. We'll always be inclined to think that we love Jesus more than we do. We, we will always, when things are going good, we will never be able to imagine a scenario where we wouldn't have faith. When God does something miraculous, we will never be able to imagine a scenario where we would not be all in for Jesus, right? But the, the human condition is such, human nature is such, that we really don't realize we need God until we have a need. And so the cycle usually goes that we need him, he shows up, we are excited about it, we forget about him until we have a need. This is the human condition. And these verses are a beautiful setup to what we're going to read today because in John 3 we're going to meet a guy named Nicodemus and Nicodemus is a spiritual man and he loves what Jesus does but he doesn't believe who Jesus is. He loves what Jesus does but he doesn't believe who Jesus is and maybe there are some of us in the room today who find ourselves in that spot. So let's jump in. John chapter 3. We're going to read for a little bit. Break, read, break, you know how it goes. Here we go. John 3, first two verses. Here's what it says. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. 
After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Just a great little stopping point right there to say it's always okay to come to Jesus with questions. That's just, a, a, just know that, that no matter what your questions are, it's always okay to come to Jesus with your questions. Uh, it's the best place to go with your questions. And I don't know how your prayer life is currently, but if you're struggling to pray, that some of the best advice I could give you is just to be honest with God about why you're struggling to pray. Be honest with God about what you're feeling and what you're doubting and the questions that you have. And so here's Nicodemus who comes to speak with Jesus because he has questions. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. This is interesting. Nicodemus knows that there is something different about Jesus. Nicodemus is a religious leader. This is what he's done his whole life. He's probably memorized books of the Bible. He spent all of his time in the religious leader bubble. He, he probably goes to Chick-fil-A three or four times a week. He is, it's WJIE on the radio. He is religious, but he knows there's something different about Jesus. Because he comes to Jesus and he, he says two things and these two things identify where he's at spiritually, where his soul is at on this journey that he has. And these two questions or these two statements that Nicodemus makes lets us know, it shows us and teaches us that it's possible to be spiritual but not saved. It's possible to be spiritual but not saved. Let me show you what I mean. Nicodemus says two things. Number one, Nicodemus says, I believe in God. Look at it. He says, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Nicodemus says, I believe in God. The second thing he says is, I believe in miracles. Look at it. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So Nicodemus shows up and says, I believe in God, and I believe in miracles. He believes that he is a very spiritual person, and as a matter of fact, he is a very spiritual person. It's what he does for a living but there is a difference between being spiritual and being saved. And so maybe, like Nicodemus, you would, you would be able to make these same two statements. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Jason, I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. I believe that this is not all coincidence. I'm not crazy enough to believe that it's all coincidence. When my baby was born and I held my child, I knew that had to be something out there that was, uh, you know, making all of this happen. Or when I went through AA, I was connected to a higher power that helped me stop drinking. And, uh, you know, while there are obviously people who don't believe in any type of God, that number is incredibly small. It's smaller than you think it is. Almost everyone believes in something out there. Something out there. Something out there doing something somewhere. When somebody says sending thoughts and prayers, they are admitting and hoping that maybe someone somewhere is going to do something about your situation and help you out. The problem is that believing in God is not the same thing as believing in Jesus. But let's look at the next statement. The second statement is, I believe in miracles. So maybe you would say, I believe in God. And you would say the second thing, I believe in miracles. Who doesn't love miracles? Who doesn't love it when you're sitting there with the cop lights on behind you and you need to get out of this one and, and you know you don't deserve to get out of this one, but you're like, Jesus, if you'll get me out of this one, I will, I will go to church the rest of the year. And the cop shows up and says, 
Just need you to slow down. Oh, it's so spiritual and it's miraculous. Never happens to me, but you would think the preacher would get out of those, but no, no, it never happens. We love miracles. We believe that someone somewhere out there is doing something for our good. So we ask for people to pray that we get the job, find a spouse, get pregnant, find some extra money, or get healed. And even people who don't believe in Jesus believe in miracles. Believe in some cosmic force that like if a domino could fall, then something good could come their way. Something good could happen for them. And so Nicodemus shows up and says, I believe in God and I believe in miracles, but it's obvious that he's still searching because it's like two in the morning and he is snuck out of the religious sleepover that's happening somewhere and he's come to Jesus because he believes in God, he believes in miracles, but he's not satisfied in his soul, right? He's still searching, he's missing something. Let's keep reading. John chapter 3, pick it up, verse 3. He says, Jesus replied, so, so Nicodemus says, I believe in God, I believe in miracles. Jesus said, that's good, but I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, everybody say born again. If you happen to have one of those archaic paper Bibles, uh, you could just circle or highlight or underline that. It says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? This is a great question. Jesus replied, verse 5, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. And the spirit, humans can reproduce only human life. And we've got that really down well at Hope City Church. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to this brand new spiritual life. So don't be surprised, Jesus says, when I say you must be born again. There's that word again, phrase again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit, which is frustrating to people like me and everybody in the room who's analytical, like Nicodemus, and is like, can you draw me a chart? How does this work? Explain it exactly to me, how this works. And Jesus, is, Jesus says, it's a Spirit thing, and I can't really explain it. In other words, Jesus is saying, in a sense, that if you have to explain it before you experience it, you'll never experience it. That, that being born again, that being saved, is something that must be experienced. And while you can describe some of the uh, effects of a new life with Jesus Christ, you cannot explain it beyond or better than an experience that happens when the Holy Spirit creates a new life in you. And so Jesus says, you can't really explain it. And so for the next 12 minutes and 38 seconds, I'm going to try to explain it, all right? I'm going to try to do what Jesus said you can't really do. All right, I want to read this other verse to you from Ezekiel, which I'm pretty sure you've probably never read. Um, it's in chapter 36. If you did start Ezekiel, you didn't make it to 36, um, and I love these verses because 
it is a beautiful description of, uh, of what it is like when the, when the Holy Spirit uh, gives you a new life, to be born again. Ezekiel chapter 36, two verses, 26 and 27, this is what it says. God is talking and he says, and I will give you a new heart. Everybody say new. And I will put a new spirit in you. Everybody say new. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. When Jesus comes into your life, when you find Jesus Everything changes, not because Jesus makes you better, but because Jesus makes you new. He makes you new. The Holy Spirit creates a new life in you. You are reborn. You get a new birthday. You, you, you have a new life because the Holy Spirit hasn't just improved or made modifications to you. He's made you new. He's made you new. Go back over to John 3. We're going to read a little bit more. We're getting to, we're getting to John 3.16. I know the anticipation's killing you. Here we go. Verse 14. Skip over to 14. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, don't worry about that. It's kind of crazy sounding, but he's just talking about the cross. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's just talking about being hung on the cross. So that, why? Why does Jesus go to the cross? So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Here it is. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world. We said the first week that Jesus is God who put away his godness to leave heaven to come sleep on your couch. Who would do that? Only God. That God sent his son to sleep on your couch, not to come and judge you because your house is dirty, but to save you, to save the world through him. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in him, in God's one and only son, two more. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. Last verse, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they, that they are doing what God wants. Now we have probably set a record today for the most Bible verses read at Hope City Church in a sermon. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of verses, and if I could sum up all of these verses, I would sum it up like this, that Jesus is telling us that it's not enough to be spiritual. It's not enough to believe in God. It's not enough to believe in miracles. Life comes from being Here's the phrase, born again. Born again. It's not, it's not a phrase that we say a lot. I, I heard it a lot as a kid 
growing up, maybe, I don't know why, but it's, it's a phrase that ha- is not as, um, uh, I guess, popular, I don't know, but, but it is a, a biblical Jesus phrase, you got to be born again. And here's why John 3 is so important, because I believe it's possible that that we could do the right things, all of us could do the right things, come to church, be a kind person, pray before our meals, pray with our kids before they go to bed, help sick people, but never be born again, never be a new person by the Holy Spirit. I don't say that to scare you or trick you. I don't want you to think that like you're going to think you're saved, but you're going to get to heaven, and Jesus is going to be like, ha, 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 got you, you're out. That's not the way it works. He's not trying to trick you. But religion is tricky, and, and, and it's tricky enough to convince us that we are good with God based on our behavior. But the message of Jesus is not behave. The message of Jesus is believe. So we behave, but we never believe in Jesus. We behave, believe in God, believe in miracles, but we never believe in Jesus. So, so what I want to do for the last few minutes is... Um, is as best I can, I want to give you three ways that you can know that you're born again based on what we just read. Very clearly, the Bible gives us more than three, but in what we read, there are three very distinct descriptions, ways that we can know that we're born again. And if you're here today and you're, you're a Christian, you're saved, you've been following Jesus, these Three ways can just give you more confidence in the new life that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, has has given you. But if you're here today and you don't know, you say, well, uh, I went to church with my parents growing up, or I'm not a bad person, I know people worse than me, or I help charities, I'm a nice person, but but as I've been talking, you're just unsure if you... Know Jesus. These three ways uh, will, will make it clear to you and give you an opportunity to, to put a flag in the ground, put a stake in the ground, to say, I believe in Jesus and I am a new person. This is on your sermon guide. Write these in. Number one, how can I know that I am born again based on what we've read today? Number one, have you asked Jesus to save you? Let's just start with the fundamentals right here. Have you asked Jesus to save you? John 3.16, God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish. You have to say to, to Jesus, I believe in you. I don't believe in myself anymore, but I believe in you. I cannot save myself. I need you to save me. Have you asked Jesus to save you? Is your confidence in the cross? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to get to heaven? Are you still holding on to this idea that your behavior or your moral standing is what makes you right? The idea that being a good person is what decides it. Or have you come to the realization that, that Jesus and the cross is the only way to have relationship with God. Have you asked Jesus to save you? There is nowhere to go uh, before this point right here. You gotta ask Jesus 
to save you. And you can't ask Jesus to save you if you believe you can save you. But you can't save you. You can't do it. So how can I know if I'm born again? Number one, have you asked Jesus to save you? Number two, based on what we read today, are you hiding a secret life of sin? Are you hiding a secret life of sin? Jesus said that people who are born again come to the light. He used the terminology, they love the light. And we said the first week, it's the, the analogy is that we're all living in this house and all the lights are off, and it's not because there's no power coming to the house. All we have to do to have light in the house is walk over and flip the switch. There's plenty of power coming to the house. The bulb works. The switch works. We have to want to turn the light on. We have to want to live in the light. And Jesus said the way you can know the difference between someone who is born again and someone who is not born again is they want to live in the light. They want to turn the light on. But people who don't, people who are not born again, don't want to live in the light because they don't want people to see their life. He's talking about bringing our life out into the open, not living a a secret double life. Now, I want to be super clear that there is a difference between struggling with something in your life and and making a bed and and living there And, and, and living in that. You know that. Please, I hope you know that. This is a beautiful, safe place to work out whatever it is God is working out in you. So this is not, you're out. Jesus says, just bring whatever it is you're trying to hide. Just bring it to me. Turn the light on, right? It's possible to believe in Jesus, but still not believe that your sins are, are, uh, can be brought into the light. I believe in Jesus, but I can't bring him this. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's your old life. I have made you new. If you believe that you've been made new, bring it into the light. So if you're struggling today, like, am, am I born again? Have I, am I saved? Am I born again? Ask yourself this question. Have you asked Jesus to save you? That's, that's the most important. But are you hiding a secret life of sin. If you are, it's probably because you don't believe that you can bring your sin to Jesus or that it's forgiven or washed away. How do I know I'm born again? Have you asked Jesus to save you? Are you hiding a secret life of sin? Let me give you one more. Does your heart respond to God? We read this in Ezekiel. He says, I, I, I put a new spirit in you, a new heart. I take out your stony, stubborn heart. That sounds like my heart, just right there, just heads up, stony and stubborn. And he says, I take that out and I put a tender, responsive heart in you. I know words like tender and responsive sound a little bit feminine, but don't let that throw you off. They just mean that when you feel God leading you or convicting you, or when you know of a need, or when someone needs help, that you are aware that God is uh, uh, reaching out to you, that God is, uh, is, is connecting with you, and you respond. You respond. When you're in spiritual moments, and you know that God is, is calling you, do you respond? See, once you're born again, you have 
a new heart put there by God. And that heart is built to respond to God. Now, now listen to this. It's possible to believe in Jesus. It's possible to not have any skeletons in the closet and to, not, and, and to be morally upstanding but still not have a heart that responds to God. You know this person, right? Maybe you are this person. But I'm willing to bet everybody in the room knows somebody that is like a Jesus person, and they're like a really good person, and maybe they're lying to us all, and there is a bunch of junk in the closet, but I don't think so. But we can't figure out if they believe in Jesus and they don't have any skeletons, why do they have no joy? Why are they the meanest like most cynical, most jaded, most bitter person that you've ever met. You know people who don't know Jesus who have more joy than they do. It's because they have not been born again and allowed the Holy Spirit to take out a stony, hateful, bitter, unforgiving heart and put a new heart in them that is tender and responsive. I'm not saying you need to cry every day, guys, but I am saying that when you feel the Holy Spirit doing something in your life, you don't have to crack a sarcastic joke. That it's okay to respond to God. Respond to God. I don't need God to make me better. I need God to make me new. And you don't need God to make you better. You need God to make you new. So, I'm out of time. Last thing I'll say is this. Can you think of a time in your life that was before Jesus? When you begin to tell your story, is your story that, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was at this summer camp and I, I, I came down. I'm not saying that doesn't count. I'm not the judge, jury up here. I'm not, this is not, hey, does Jason think you're saved or not? I'm asking you, can you think of a life and a heart before Jesus and go, let me tell you when God took out that stony, stubborn heart and put in that brand new heart and made me a new person. Not saying you had to do drugs. Not saying you had to be an alcoholic. Not saying you had to have an abortion. Not saying it had to be in a gang or serve time in prison. Those stories, you know, are the like really dramatic ones and we love those. But no matter what your story is, there is and should be a before Jesus and then a moment or a season or a, a, a period of time when he made me not better, new. And I was born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.